On Point with Craig's Investment Partners. The information provided here is general in nature. It's not financial advice. It doesn't take into account your financial situation, objectives, goals, or risk tolerance. All investments are subject to risks and none are guaranteed. So before you make any investment decisions, we recommend you contact an investment advisor. For more information about our services in that regard, you can go to our website, which is craigsip.com. Welcome to On Point. I'm Mark Lister, Investment Director at Craig's Investment Partners, and I'll be talking about a range of topics, including economics, portfolio strategy, investor education, and anything else that's happening out there in financial markets. Right, let's talk about the week that was, and then do a bit of a look ahead at what will no doubt be another action-packed week across uh, the global financial markets. Last week, a very strong one for world shares. Investors uh, were very happy to see a softer-than-expected US inflation report, uh, and that obviously fueled hopes that interest rates might stop rising at some point soon, and maybe that we won't get uh, a negative economic outcome, or at least not a major negative economic outcome down the track. So uh, markets in very good spirits. World shares rose 3.4% last week. That was the strongest weekly gain we'd seen in more than three months. Uh, the the Miski All Country World Share Index is now at the highest levels in 15 months, so since April 2022. Uh, it's 26.5% above the October 22 lows uh, and about 8.5% down from that record high, or below, I should say, from that record high that it reached in November 2021. So uh, it hasn't quite clawed its way back to those all-time highs, uh, from not quite two years ago, but it has been one one stunning rebound that we've seen since last October, and last week was um, another very strong week. We had good gains uh, from most of the world's major markets, the US, UK, Europe, all up 25 to 3%. Uh, the Aussie market, particularly strong, the ASX 200 was up 3.7%. That's the best gain we've seen all year. Um, you've got to go back to last November to find a better week than that. Um, and the local NZX50 rose, but we were a bit more subdued, as, it often, as is often the case. Uh, we were up just 0.3% here in NZ. Interest rates down across the board. Uh, the US two-year Treasury yield fell from just shy of 5% to just shy of 4.8. So remember that was that was at the highest level since 2008, not so long ago, uh, five, over 5.1%. Uh, so that's come right back. The 10-year US yield has also slipped from over 4 to 3.8. It's actually quite a big move. You know, you don't see, you know, big moves like that too often, uh, although we have actually in recent times because it's been such a volatile market. But... Um, the New Zealand five-year swap rate fell from just over 5% to 4.72%. So that pushed the NZX corporate bond index up 1.1%. Uh, when, when interest rates come down, bond prices, fixed income prices go up. Uh, so that relationship is what they call an inverse relationship. So it's been a pretty strong week across the board with share markets performing well. 
uh, and bond markets, fixed income markets, uh, also performing well. We had the US dollar uh, down quite sharply. That's worth a mention. The dollar index, which is a um, the, the US measures the US dollar against a basket of currencies. You know, the euro and and some of the other major ones. It's a bit like our trade weighted index here in New Zealand. The dollar index was down two point three percent last week, so it's now back at levels we haven't seen since April last year so um, uh, again 15 month lows the US dollar actually hit a 20 year high uh, in September last year based on that dollar index so it reached the highest levels we'd seen since 2002 and it's been drifting lower ever since um, and that continued obviously last week on the back of that softer inflation expectations we won't have to see um, too many more interest rate hikes so uh, it's now down 12.5% from that uh, peak that it reached in September last year, and um, it's off maybe 3.5% um, uh, year to date. A lot of that strength on the other side is, has rested with the euro, so the euro has been a beneficiary of that weaker US dollar. Um, so as far as the Kiwi goes, uh, we we rose quite sharply against the US dollar last week. Not so much against other currencies, but against the US dollar, we we're up about 2.5%. So we're sitting at about $0.64 cents now, which is not far off our 25-year average. 25-year average is about $0.66. Cents. So uh, we've seen a, a decent sort of rise in the Kiwi, and whether, the, whether you think that's good or bad will depend on your perspective. Um but if you're hearing commentary out there about the New Zealand dollar having risen sharply against the US dollar, that's true. But it's more about what's happening to them than it is to us. You know, it's not it's not that the Kiwi's strengthening for any real reason. It's just that the US dollar has been softer, um, and that you know we've we've gone up as a result. So more about what's happening stateside than here in New Zealand. Right, going back to last week's key events, and the big one here was the Reserve Bank. So they met last week, and it was an OCR decision, and they did nothing um, in the sense that they didn't change the OCR. They left it at 5.5%, which um, was interesting because that's that's almost the first no change that we've seen in almost two years. You know, the last time they didn't do anything was way back in August 2021. Since then, they've had 12 meetings, and at each one of those, then found themselves explaining why they've increased the OCR by either 0.25%, 0.5%, or 0.75%. So um, good to see uh, the first no change decision in almost two years. So we're at 5.5% and that's um, obviously well above the record low uh, from 2021 of 0.25%. Um, uh, and, and we're at the highest levels now since 2008. But um, what happens next, I guess, is the big question. You know, is that it from the RBNZ? Well, it depends who you ask. Uh, the RBNZ believes it's done enough. If you sort of look at their forecasts, um, those forecasts do imply that 5.5% will be the peak for this cycle in terms of the OCR. Um, and they've then got fat, um, cuts in the OCR coming through in the second half of 2024. Some economists disagree. You know, you've got a few people out there that believe there could be one more OCR hike later in the year. You know, who knows? You know, I think all of those economists as well as the RBNZ will, you know, tell you that it's it's 
it's kind of dependent, obviously, isn't it? So, you know, you can never say something's set in stone and, and everyone sort of will reserve the right to change their mind, and to, including the Reserve Bank itself. Um, personally, I think they're done. I think we're there and I don't think we'll see any further hikes. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see how things progress. We've got an important inflation report of our own coming out uh, later this week, which I'll talk about shortly. Um, and I guess what is clear is that if the Reserve Bank's not done now, they're very close to done. So even if you've got sort of one more, you know, we're, we're almost there. Um, we'll just have to wait and see how things uh, develop. So that, that was important out in New Zealand. Um, we also had a housing market report. The uh, Real Estate Institute housing market report came out. This was encouraging. You know, I've, I've said before, uh, I think the housing market decline is behind us and that we're now sort of um, stabilising and from here things will not rocket ahead but maybe sort of push a little bit higher. And I think this report for the most part supports that view. Um, sales volumes were down on the previous months but they were up from a month, the same month a year ago. Um, prices actually rose slightly. The National House Price Index rose 0.3% in June, not much, but still the biggest increase in 16 months. Uh, Auckland prices were up 0.8%, um, so the biggest rise since the market peaked in November 2021. So you've started to see um, things just sort of flatten off and go sideways um, or up ever so slightly. National house prices are still nearly 18% down from their highs. Auckland prices are down 22 23% from those levels. The highs were 18 months ago. So, you know, you've still got a market that has taken a pretty big hit. And I don't think it's going to take off again anytime soon. You've got a slowing economy. You've got unemployment that could continue to drift um, or could start to drift a little bit higher over the next 6, 12, 18 months. And you've got mortgage rates, which even if they've they've stopped going up, they're not going down anytime soon. And they are at higher levels than many people have seen for a while. So um, don't expect the housing market to rocket ahead. But you know, this stabilisation that we seem to be seeing is a huge positive for confidence and that's good for economic activity and um, sentiment generally. Uh, looking further afield, uh, the key release was the US inflation report for June, the Consumer Price Index, and it came in weaker than expected. So the headline CPI uh, increased 0.2% for June, the market was looking for 0.3%, that meant that the annual increase slowed to 3.0%, down from 4.0% in May, and below forecast for 3.1%. So that's the lowest we've seen since March 2021. You know, so you've got to go back uh, more than two years, and it's obviously well down from the 9.1% from a year ago which was the highest we'd seen in more than 40 years. Uh, the core CPI as well. Uh, the core CPI strips out things like energy and food, and it sort of reflects some of those more structural inflation drivers rather than the ones that are very sort of cyclical and move up and down a lot anyway, the very volatile categories. The core CPI increased 0.2% for the month, so that was also below expectations, um, the lowest in almost two years, and that saw the 
the core CPI in terms of the annual change fall to 4.8%. So core CPI is running at 4.8% now, down from 5.3 a month earlier, down from forecast for 5, lowest since October 2021, down from a peak of 6.4% early last year. So you get the picture. Um, inflation still still higher than the Fed would like, especially at the core level, but coming down faster than expected and moving in the right direction. So markets love that report. It made them very happy. Uh, the Fed will like that too. You know, they won't feel like they're out of the woods, but they'll definitely feel like they are starting to win the battle. Um, their next meeting comes in a fortnight. And um, interestingly, the market still thinks they will hike interest rates. So they're just behind us. They're at 5.25%. We're at 55 and the expectation for a little while now has been that at this July meeting, the Fed would hike another quarter of a percent. That would take them to five and a half. For them, that would be the highest we've seen since 2001. Not for us, because in the GFC, we got up to eight and a quarter. But for the Fed, this would be the highest that we've seen um, since way back uh, before the GFC. So expectations are that... Um, they will, will will still hike rates in July, but what's changed as a result of that softer um, uh, CPI report is that people now are feeling a bit more confident that that, that July hike, uh, assuming it, it happens, will probably be the last one. You know, before they were thinking there's this July one and then there's one more after that. Now they're thinking, well, the July one, maybe that's all they'll need to do. And that's the camp I'm in. Um, you know, so I think that, that our Reserve Bank here has done. I don't think I think they've done enough. I don't think they'll need to do any more. Uh, and I think with the Fed, we'll get that one more in a couple of weeks. But, you know, beyond that, you know, I, I think the likelihood is that that is the, the final one too. So, um we will wait and see. Obviously, the incoming data over the next few months will ultimately determine if that is the case. Looking ahead, uh, still on inflation, uh, because we will get our own inflation report this week, and this will be really important, you know, important for the path of um, uh, Reserve Bank policy, important from a political perspective, because we've got an election in less than three months, and cost of living crisis is, is up there with law and order is probably one of the things that people are most concerned about and worried about. So this one will get major headlines. And uh, unlike the US who reports inflation, um, uh, which reports inflation, I should say, every month, we only get inflation figures every three months. So it's been a long time between drinks and we are screaming out for an update on sort of what the official statistics look like. And we'll get those on Wednesday at 10.45am. So these will cover the June 2023 quarter. Um, you know, I'll just talk about the annual figures. The Reserve Bank is expecting the annual increase in the CPA, CPI uh, coming at 6.1%. So last time, last quarter, the March quarter, 6.7%. Um, and at the peak last year, it was 7.3. So, so it got as high as 7.3, which was the highest since 1990. Uh, so it got to 7.3 last year. It's come steadily down. It's now sitting at 6.7. And at this week, it's expected to come down to 6.1. That, that's what the Reserve Bank is thinking. However, the local economic community, all of the economics teams out there from the banks and so forth, 
uh, their consensus estimate, so their sort of average estimate when you poll all of them, um, their consensus estimate is a little bit lower. So they see sort of 5.9. So market expectations are 5.9. Um, the Reserve Bank's at 6.1. You know, they don't get the luxury of updating their forecasts whenever they feel like it, um, like the bank economists do. The Reserve Bank has to wait to, from... Uh, they can only do it sort of when they do a monetary policy statement. So that's why they sometimes are, their forecasts are, are ever so slightly outdated. But um, 5.9 is what we'll be looking for. Um, anything less than that will be great news. Um, anything less than 6.1 would be would still be good news because that would be less than what the Reserve Bank had in its figures when they told us that the OCR would peak at 5.5% back in May. Um, so that's that's the key thing. That's Wednesday morning. What else will we be watching? We'll be watching sort of the makeup under the hood. You know, you want to look at things like uh, tradables inflation versus non-tradables. That's, you know, imported inflation versus domestic inflation. We want to see where the strength has come from, where the weakness has come from. Um, it'll be it'll be all of those sort of parts of the um, report that that give us a bit more colour uh, in detail about sort of how things are tracking. But absolutely the highlight of the week um, that'll be on the six, six o'clock news and the front page of the paper the next day, and um, it will have a lot of relevance for um, uh, for interest rates, for mortgage rates, for for the Reserve Bank, for the currency, for the share market, and for the housing market. Sort of on a on a obviously not something that's priced daily like those other financial assets but um definitely very relevant in, in every way um we've got a dairy price update uh, i talked about this a week ago actually because i thought it was last week but it's not it's this week so i'll just repeat what i said but um uh where have dairy prices been going lately south actually um, the last time we had uh uh, an auction prices fell three percent, three point three percent, which was the biggest decline in three months. So prices now are at their lowest levels since November twenty twenty. You know, down about eight and a half percent this year, and almost almost forty percent below the the level that they got to last March. Although that was a fifteen year high, so it was absolutely sort of you know a peak, and um, they were never going to stay up at those levels. But uh, we're back at late twenty twenty levels for um, dairy prices, and that's why you've seen you know Fonterra reduce the the payout for the season that just ended and um, come in with a a, a more um, subdued opening forecast for the the current season. So we'll get an update in that regard on Wednesday morning too. Uh, Monday afternoon, China will be in focus. We've got the second quarter GDP figures. Um, so those are out at two o'clock our time on Monday. So this will be June quarter GDP. Uh, expected to rise 0.6% down from 2.2 in the March quarter. Um, that was obviously a strong quarter because it was that sort of snapback of the, the economy reopening at the, um, at the beginning of 2023, having been closed for know most of of last year so uh, we obviously won't have that that sort of you know same vigor uh, in the June quarter the annual pace of economic growth is expected to be sitting about seven percent up from four and a half three months early so that'll be the highest in in two years but still still looks like a mixed bag you know China they don't have the same inflation problem that other parts of the world have um, but the, it's been a disappointing performance in terms of the recovery from last year and 
the property sector is obviously having its challenges and some of the activity indicators that we've seen in, in recent times are just pointing to softness as well. So we'll be watching this GDP report uh, and we'll also be watching fixed asset investment, industrial production, retail sales, which will all come out at the same time. So that's Monday afternoon. Um, across the Tasman, um, we have got a couple of things. What have we got? We've got the Labour Force survey that's on Thursday, so that's unemployment. Uh, the other thing I, I should probably mention um, while we're on the subject of Australia is we got some news last week that there's going to be a new Reserve Bank of Australia governor. Uh, Deputy Governor Michelle Bullock will replace Philip Lowe in September this year. So doesn't doesn't really change anything in terms of how the RBA will operate, what they might do next. You know, Michelle Bullock has been there um, for a very long time and she's attended, I think, every policy meeting sort of since April last year, um, since she's taken on sort of the the de deputy governor role. So presumably she's on the same page as, as Mr Lowe and others anyway. Um, I have heard um, a, a couple of people, a couple of economists suggest that she might be sort of a little more on the dovish side, which means um, uh, a little less aggressive, a little um, uh, more inclined to take note of the, the importance of the employment aspect of the RBA mandate, you know, you've got to sort of try and keep employment solid rather than just sort of trying to kill inflation at all costs. So, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, really just an FYI, I don't think that changes the landscape for what the RBA will do over the next little while. But, you know, good good to get confirmation of who will be in the chair from September. And um, uh, she does she, she does have a, a glowing CV. She She's very, very capable. So that's good news. Um, more, more importantly, though, on the RBA, something else to bear in mind is that from, from this time next year, sort of the middle of next year, they're going to have a, a voting-style board and um, the, the, the external members who haven't actually been appointed yet, we don't know who those uh, external board members are, but there'll be six of them, they're going to have the, the voting majority, which is quite, quite interesting um, I don't think there's another central bank, at least of the majors, that has that sort of setup. You know, our Reserve Bank obviously has a couple of independent parties, external parties on the sort of voting, um, the voting group, but they certainly don't overwhelm or have the ability, uh, if they all voted in the same direction, to to overwhelm or outvote sort of the the Reserve Bank itself. But uh, my understanding is that for the Australian Reserve Bank, that might be the case. So. You know, that's a, that's a bit of a watch this space. Um, anyway, where was I? So, yeah, the Labour Force report in Aussie on Thursday. Um, that, that's it for economic data, but we have got the international reporting season ramping up. Um, and I've recorded a standalone podcast on this topic. So go back and have a listen to that one if you want to hear my thoughts on uh, what's what we need to keep an eye on this reporting season, what's happening, uh, what, what you need to watch out for and how it might play out. But um, about 60 S&P 500 companies reporting this week, uh, a few big names, Goldman Sachs, Netflix, Tesla, Johnson & Johnson. Uh, so lots of widely held um, businesses and um, that will obviously be very interesting to watch given 
given the way markets have performed, particularly in the US, because the expectations for, for some companies uh, are sitting a little bit higher than they were before because we've had, had such a strong run across the market. So, um, uh, yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all big days in the US. So it'll be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, our time that you'll get a whole lot of those results um, come through, but no shortage of things to keep tabs on. Okay, thank you very much for listening. Uh, We will talk again soon. For more insights, visit craigsip.com.